The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Uh, looking again at state politics, on the line we've got Stuart Grimley from the Darren Hinch Justice Party, member for Western Victoria Region in the Legislative Council. Stuart, good morning. Thank you very much for being on the program. Yeah, good morning, Mitch. How are you going? Not too bad, thank you. I mean, it's always a good day when we're out of lockdown and lockdown eight has come to an end here in Geelong. It's blue skies out there from what I can see. Uh, Of course, there's a bit of nerves out there as to how long we make it out this time. And I've said this right throughout the program. The last time we had two consecutive weekends out of lockdown, it was the 3rd and the 10th of July. Yeah, well, I think hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wouldn't do all of those sort of things. I think that uh, we might be right this time around now that we're all getting vaccinated and those numbers are are getting up there with the vaccination rates. Um, Yeah, we just need to... You know, I read about the person who went to the Melbourne protests. It's from Geelong and, you know, I just really hope that um, that doesn't affect us too much. That seems to be the issue is the incursions of the virus from metropolitan Melbourne into regional Victoria. You go and look at that exposure list website at coronavirus.vic.gov.au and there's exposure sites in Taralgon, Warnable, Camperdown, Wodonga. I mean, it's just incredible how far the virus is spreading into regional Victoria. And I think that is something that, I don't know, maybe the government has to have a look at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But also, like, as individuals, you know, we just need to make sure we're doing the right thing and wearing our masks where we're supposed to and sanitising and QR code checking in and maintaining your social distancing and, you know, trying to reduce or mitigate those risks of getting the virus in the first place um, would be a big step. Now, uh, you've done a bit of number crunching at the Darren Hinch Justice Party and you've concluded that regional Victorians are 11% worse off than metropolitan counterparts when it comes to funding. Yeah, absolutely. It sort of came about, um, we approached the government to look at investing into Wimmera Rail in particular, you know, just to improve the rail services out in the Wimmera. And um, yeah, we got a, um, an answer that came back that wasn't too favourable for the proposal. And um, amongst other things that we've been asking for in regional investment, we thought, um, look, let's just check with the uh, Parliamentary Budget Office, the PBO, and let's just see uh, how the spending's going on the on these regional uh, infrastructure projects, and it was quite uh, quite interesting. We had the report come back, and it said that uh, regional Victorians receive about 11 percent less uh, government assets investment than the metropolitan counterpart. So it works out to be around um, the government invests around 17,000 per annum uh, per person in assets in metro area for for residents, and in regional uh, residents, it's only about 15,000. Um, so there's a there's a discrepancy there, and, and we just think that uh, all too often regional Victorians uh, tend to get the uh, the raw the raw deal. What is the proposal for Wimmera Rail? Is it about passenger services or cargo? Or yeah, freight? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the issue that we've had um, we've been approached by is that there's just not enough um, rail services out in the Wimmera between you know, Horsham, Nil, and those sort of areas out there um, that allow people to not only travel between the regional areas out. November, but also get to Melbourne. Um, the timetabling for the, for the overland is, you know, it's great that the overland is running, absolutely, but the timetabling just um, yeah, makes it very difficult for people to travel to Melbourne, in particular for specialist appointments. Um, you know, they have to leave at five o'clock in the morning in some areas and they won't get back till you know, seven o'clock that night. So by improving the services um, yeah, between those towns, uh, with a, uh, you know, catching up with the, with the Ararat train that takes you into Melbourne, 
um, just improves the uh, connectivity between regional Victorians and, and metropolitan Melbourne. So that was the proposal, um, utilising the old rolling stock and the current um, gauge lines out there. But uh, the government just doesn't seem to think that it's a feasible option at this stage, which is a bit disappointing. But nevertheless, we'll keep fighting. I actually seem to recall a few years ago, it might have been, they are actually talking about ending the overland service altogether. Yeah. I don't know if that was from the, the South Australian side or our side, but um, someone came in and intervened and ended up funding it. But it was actually the whole yeah. thing was on the chopping block, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah, and and we were we were part of that advocacy to to keep it running. And and you're right, the South Australian government and Victorian government uh, jointly invest into that project. And I don't think the South Australian government were coming to the party, but uh, you know, credit where credit's due, the Victorian government stepped in and and has funded it for another uh, couple of years. So which is really really good. It makes just such a massive difference to regional Victorians. So that's one good thing to come out of it. But. Uh, it needs to be, yeah, the timetabling also needs to fit. It's, not, it's one thing having a train. It's another thing having a train running at the right times. So that, that's next on the agenda. So the question is, how do you fix that funding discrepancy that you talk about where metropolitan Melbourne gets more? And this is, I think, a big thing to do with the lockdowns. And some people in metro Melbourne have said, oh, regional Victoria has it easy because we haven't had a lockdown. But I tell you what, I mean, metropolitan Melbourne does get a lot of the infrastructure and the funding, as you've mentioned. And uh, to some extent, I don't know, maybe this is starting to even up the scales a bit more. Well, not only did Metro Melbourne get the funding, but um, as we all seen with the, the blowouts of the funding, the infrastructure of the Westgate Tunnel in particular, I think perhaps that's costing regional Victorians, um, you know, indirectly. So, look, we'll keep uh, we'll keep putting in our submissions to when it comes budget time um, to improve the service and infrastructure in regional Victorians, and, and I encourage all of my Western Victorian counterparts to do the same so that uh, we get we get our fair share of the pie. Now, what is Yogi's law in relation to WorkSafe? Yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing it up, Mitch. Um, Yogi's Law. We had a successful week in Parliament recently, where we um, introduced a motion into the chamber, which is all about Yogi's Law. Now, Yogi was a an assistance dog um, for Ron Fenton, um, who some people may know. He was a former Victoria police officer who was um, shot in the head, and uh, he had uh, many many bullet fragments remain in his in his skull and. As a result of that incident and other incidents, he uh, he had pretty severe post-traumatic stress um, coming out of that and, uh, and was, was retired due to ill health. Now, he was on um, dozens and dozens of psychotropic drugs and by his own admissions, he attempted suicide a few times. Um, he, uh, in addressing his... His uh, health concerns. He was um, he was gifted a uh, an assistant dog called Yogi. Yogi was a brown Labrador, um, and uh, Ron Ron said he, Yogi literally saved his life. Um, he went from using all of those uh, drugs to to using uh, hardly anything. Um, he had no no further hospital admissions. Um, Yogi just uh, attended to his needs um, through his specialised training, um, which he was trained through the prison system, believe it or not, by by a person called Benny, who's now out and running his own plumbing business in New South Wales and doing great, great things. And um, so the program's just fantastic um, for the assistance dog to help out uh, emergency service uh, members with PTSI. Um, yeah, but we, we found that the whole work cover situation um, where when Ron went to apply to have Yogi's costs covered, you know, for food and bills and things, um, he initially got knocked back, um, which was quite concerning. Um, he appealed that decision and, and was successful. However, 
that um, that was that was settled out of court. So it didn't create a precedent um, for future people wishing to do the same, which many, many people have. So the motion that we introduced um, sought to um, clarify that situation um, and thankfully it passed with, uh, with all the support of the Chamber. So in future, people that are claiming those types of costs um, should be have it, have it done quickly, swiftly and fairly. Now, teasers for police, how widespread is teaser usage within Victoria Police at the moment? It's, uh, yeah, it's a really big, big concern, tasers. Um, you know, being an expert problem myself, um, we are, I never used a taser, but um, certainly it was good to know that uh, there was one around certain, you know, during certain times because that uh, non-lethal option um, is, is clearly much preferred over the use of a firearm. So... So I'm of the belief, and so as many, many big poll members in the police association also, that you know we should have every frontline officer have access to a taser, which just doesn't happen at the moment, which to me is quite bewildering. Um, you know, they should have available to them all the tools necessary um, to prevent you know, injury to themselves or to other people without having to revert to, to the use of a firearm. So... You know, once again, we're going to call on the government to um, to fund this and, and to have all police um, equipped with a taser. Yeah, I just wonder, I don't know, would it have changed, for example, the protests slash riots that we saw over the last week? You'd think perhaps probably not because no one had to draw a firearm in any of those instances from what I can see. But um, yeah, tasers and adding another piece of equipment to the police toolkit, I don't know, would it change how they do their job significantly? Um, I'm not too sure it will change how, how they did the job. It's just having that option there, that, that non-lethal option, which, um, you know, is there to, to save lives, essentially, um, because nobody wants to see anybody killed um, or seriously injured as, as a result of an incident attended you know, to by police. So police should have all available options to them um, to, to mitigate that risk. Uh, we saw, I think, recently... There was an incident um, at, at, at a hospital where the uh, the officer had his gun um, taken taken from him in the holster after a scuffle because the uh, the, the offender was unable to be subdued with uh, with pepper spray with OC spray. Mm. So if, if you know OC spray is used and it's ineffective, then as a police officer you go to your next option. Um, and if that next option is not a taser, then then what is it? Well, it's got to be a gun. So, you know, that's just a situation where nobody wants to be in. So we just think that, um, yeah, tasers should be available to all frontline officers. And last of all, Hoon event penalties. You want to uh, increase the penalties to people that attend Hoon events, uh, which I don't know, how big are they at the moment? Well, yeah, at the moment, considering lockdowns and all that, it has sort of probably uh, reduced the amount of Hoon events, which is a good thing. But um, clearly, as we come out of lockdown, I think you'll find that they'll they'll get back to their, their usual, um, you know, self, I suppose. But um, we're actually seeking to have new legislation or we're looking at having new legislation across the board uh, which addresses people attending Hoon events um, and also passengers in, in those cars that are doing burnouts um, because at the moment there's no real offence uh, for a person to be in a car which is, you know, as a passenger. Um, which is involved in a in a hoon event. And there's no offence for people turning up in their in their droves, um, standing on the sidelines watching and encouraging these these hoon events. But some certain councils have done that, um, which is good. They've sort of saw the saw the light and introduced their own council bylaws. Um, Brimbank's uh, 
one in particular, which um, they did, a, did an operation out there, which saw around $80,000 in fines, um, you know, paid, paid, mind you. None of them went to court. They were all paid uh, to the council um, after a Hearn event. So it's a successful legislation that, that they that they passed, and we want to see it perhaps rolled out throughout Victoria. So, yeah, let's see how we go. Just wondering if you have an opinion on having sort of controlled environments, a bit like maybe the Bob Jane Stadium that used to pass uh, driving out towards Bendigo from Melbourne. I don't know if that's still going or if it's been closed down, but controlled events where people can come and push their cars to the limits, but in a racetrack environment so people aren't doing it on residential streets at uh, ridiculous times of the night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a really good idea. Um, my time spent in West Australia as a police officer over there. Um, they had they had events organised um, similarly to that to that point. And in fact, the uh, Western Australian Police had their own had their own car, their own uh, souped up car, which used to drag race, you know, against others, um, which was you know, quite a quite a spectacle. And, and it really did, uh, you know, in that controlled environment, you know, promote not only people getting out wanting to, um, you know, just. I suppose, uh, use their vehicle to the maximum capabilities and test their own skills, but it was a controlled environment. It was very safe. There was never any accidents. Um, and it did reduce the, uh, you know, those unofficial current events um, from, from gathering. So it does work. And I, I, I would totally be interested in, in exploring that option in Victoria. Well, thank you very much for being on the program. Always good to catch up and talk to you again next month and always say this, but hopefully lockdown free. We will be. We will be. Positive thinking. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you very much. Stuart Grimley with us there from the Darren Hinch Justice Party MP for Western Victoria. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.